0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn them to Matthew chapter 13. Um, How's everybody doing this morning? You guys doing good? (laughs) I know Nathan's good. Anybody? (laughs) You never have to wonder like, hey, I wonder if Nathan's excited this morning. (laughs) You just listen for a minute, you'll hear it. Um, you know, here's the truth. We're not all going to yell like Nathan, we're not all going to shout and, and jump around like some other people do, but the truth of the matter is, is like there should be an expression of joy in the life of a believer. Like there should be some expression of joy in our lives at some point. If we really found the pearl of great price that we're like, I'll sell everything to have him, like at some point that joy should make its way into some expression in our lives. I'm serious, like, come on, if we walk around looking angry and somber constantly, we have to ask ourselves where our strength is coming from, because it's the joy of the Lord that's supposed to fuel us, that's supposed to be our strength, you know? It says, though the morning may last for the night, joy comes in, sorrow lasts for the night, joy comes in the morning. In other words, like, you might go through a short season of sorrow, but there's always joy coming. And, And even in those times of sorrow, we never grieve as those who have no hope. We never lose our hope, so we never lose our joy. There's just a greater level of joy coming. So come on, remind yourself of that sometimes. Wake up in the morning and preach the gospel to yourself every single day. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, you were worth the blood of Jesus. I'm serious. Get up in the morning and preach the gospel to yourself until you're so full of it that you walk out and it pours out of your mouth when you begin to speak. Remind yourself every single day of the gospel of Jesus. You wake up and you look in the mirror. You should like what you see because he liked who he created you to be. And if you don't like what you see, you either aren't seeing clearly, you're believing a lie, or you just don't understand who you were created to be. But man, when you figure out and you get that, you get that established in your mind. And you let your worth and your value be found in this place. That, that the, the, the father of, of all creation, the God of the universe, who it says he measures the universe in the span of his hand. Come on, like, like we sent ships that have, have, have flown at light speed for years to connect two little dots in a, in, a, in a universe for scale that's this big. And it says he measures that in the span of his hands. That that God at one point in time decided to create you in his image and in his likeness. And, and then when sin ruined everything like sin did, He looked down at your life, my life, our lives and said, I have to have them back. I have to redeem them. And he looked at every single one of us and said, they're worth the blood of my son. That yes, the whole world was, but you were. I was. We were worth the blood of his son. You wake up in the morning and start preaching that gospel to yourself. You look in the mirror and say, you look just like your dad. Come on. I was created in the image and the likeness of my father and I alone carry an expression of God that is unique to me and that he thought the world desperately needed because there was a time and a season and a place for me to be born and this is my time this is my place this is the season for me to represent Jesus to the world that's what we're here to do I'm an ambassador of the kingdom father I'm not walking out that door hoping that I find power I'm filled with the same power that raised Christ from the dead come on Whoa, whoa, like, like you start preaching that gospel to yourself in the morning, every morning before you walk out the door, and you go out and happen to your day rather than your day happening to you. You're not hoping everything goes right so that at the end of the day, like a, like a kino ball, you happen to fall into the right spot and land in the winning pocket. No, you've already been settled and established. You're firmly rooted and grounded in Christ. You're an immovable force. You cannot be shaken, and you're inheriting a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So anything that's shaken isn't his kingdom. We we are inheriting an unshakable kingdom. That means anything that can be shaken isn't the kingdom of God. It's really not worth giving our time and attention and certainly not worthy of being what decides whether or not we have a good day today or not. Come on, you get to decide what's going to determine your day. You could figure that out in the morning before you step out the door and then let nothing that you face change that throughout the rest of the day. That's what it means when it says we're more than overcomers. Why? We've already overcame before we face it. It's already decided. I walk out the door with it already decided. There's nothing in the world that I face that he didn't already face for me and defeat and that I don't walk in overwhelming victory. It says in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer. Not just like, oh, we, find, we somehow get by. It says we overwhelmingly conquer. Why? Because it's already been decided because Jesus faced everything you and I will ever face in one. Now we just get to walk from that and in that place of victory. Preach that gospel to yourself in the morning. I'm, I'm not just saying that. I'm saying like literally get up in the morning and preach yourself into a place of walking out the door full of the gospel of Jesus. And what else are you going to do? You're going to wake up and try to find peace out there in the world? Good luck with that. Yeah, how is that working? It can't work. That's why Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you. What's he saying? The peace that I'm giving you doesn't depend on these things. The peace I'm giving you is within you, so that these things actually can be brought into submission to the peace that you carry, rather than you being brought into submission by the things that you face. Come on, you get to choose, but you have to choose. And if you don't choose one, you automatically default to the other. If you don't decide that today I'm going to live from that place and I'm going to walk in the authority and the power that Jesus gave his life on a cross for me to walk in, then you're deciding that you're not going to and the best you can do is hope that everything goes your way. You're one person making a bad decision from your day being spun out. Come on, that's no way to live. That's fragile. That's why people are isolating and hiding themselves from people because they're more afraid of what could happen to them than convinced of the power that lives within them. I'm telling you, listen, you get alone with him and let him speak these things to you. Don't just hear it from someone's mouth. Hear it from his mouth. Hear it from his word. Anchor yourself in the word of God so that you cannot be shaken. So that when times of shaking come, you're standing on something that's firm, that is immovable, that's fixed, that has withstood the test of the ages. Or, Or you could be a product of what life does to you or for you that day. You want to live on a roller coaster life? Let, let the, the circumstances of your life and the people in your life determine how you're doing every single day. You'll be on a roller coaster. you'll be up one day and down the next, and one day you'll be doing so good, and then, but the problem is is anything that makes you feel good can also make you feel bad when it's taken away from you or when it turns on you. That's why you should fix your heart and your affection on Jesus, the one who never changes, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because I promise you, there is no shadow of turning within him. Like there's not a chance. Why? He's not a man that he should lie. If he said he'll never leave you or forsake you, he meant it. I don't feel God. Well, thank God that your feelings aren't Lord. Jesus's. I'm serious. we got to be careful because we say things sometimes, you know, with good intentions, and if we're not careful, people that don't know any better might think it's the, the truth. They might think it's the gospel. You know, we say things like, well, you know, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? No, if you feel far from God, thank God that your feelings aren't Lord and that Jesus is and that his word says that he would never leave you or forsake you. Now, you may be doing things in your mind that have dulled your affection or your attention towards him. You turn from those things, but he's never any closer or farther than he is right now because he's in you. Like he sent his spirit to live inside of you. If you feel far from God, guess who moved? If I move, he moves with me. David understood this in the Old Testament. In the old covenant, David had a, a grasp of this thing of not being able to escape the all knowing and all seeing and all present presence of God. He said, If I went to the highest of highs, there your presence would find me. If I made my bed in Sheol, if I went to the lowest possible place, humanly possible, there your presence, where could I go to escape your presence? We're, we're like, we, we talk about, man, I'm just pursuing the presence of God. No, the presence of God pursued you, and now he's with you and in you. It's your awareness, and it's your affection and your attention that ebbs and flows, but it's not him. He's not coming and going in percentages. The times when you felt close to God were when you were aware of his closeness, not when he came closer. Well, James says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Yeah, James says that to sinners. You're no longer a sinner. You drew near to God. He drew near to you. And then he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Make sure you know who he's talking to when he says things in the word. Because I promise you, Paul and James weren't fighting about whether we were saints or sinners. So there must be two different people that they're talking to. Well, that got quiet. See, I'm at that point where I'm looking at the clock, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? We'll do We'll do part of it. All right. So Matthew chapter 13. I, I'm, but hey, listen, if you f- leave here and you don't take anything else with you that I say today, take that with you. Wake up in the morning and preach the gospel to yourself. Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm persuaded of this. Why? Because I know him. I know him. See, you can know all about him and not know him. There's an epidemic of that. There's an epidemic of people that know all about Jesus, but don't actually know him. know the word you can know the word and not know the one who was the word made flesh I can prove it to you when Saul gets knocked off his horse he looks up at the blinding light and says who are you Lord he knew the word better than you or I will ever know the Old Testament had the first five books memorized He's got the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, memorized, can recite them from memory. And yet when the voice of God speaks, he says, who are you? Knowing the word is absolutely vital. But knowing the one whom the word brings you to is absolutely the point of knowing the word. So Jesus said to the Pharisees, He said, in vain do you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but these are those that point to me. What's he saying? Guys, you're missing the point. You're learning the thing without meeting the one the thing is supposed to lead you to. You have knowledge, but you can't see. And you know so much, but you can't see. I'm standing in front of you. Don't you guys see? You've been studying these scriptures to find me, and now I'm standing in front of you telling you that I'm the one the scriptures were doing talking about. I'm doing the things the prophecy said. I was born here, but from there. like I-, I was born on this in this time. I'm from this house. Blind eyes are being opened. The lame are walking. The favorable year of the Lord is being decreed. I'm doing everything that the scriptures said that I would do. You studied them for this moment. This is your moment and I'm standing in front of you and you can't even see me because you're so busy trying to find out why I'm not who I say I am because it doesn't look exactly like you thought it would look. You'd be real careful that you don't have a paradigm of Jesus that makes it impossible for him to show up any other way and you not recognize him. Because sometimes we get this idea of what it looks like for Jesus to come or to show up or what it looks like for God to to move or to speak. We have these paradigms for, and listen, there's nothing wrong with having an expectation, but you just make sure your expectation doesn't become a limitation where you can't see him if he doesn't come the way that you think he should. Or you could be like the Pharisees quoting scripture at Jesus. Jesus. Just think about that for a second. Just think about the absolute, like what Jesus must have thought as the one who is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? He is the Word. Now he's the Word made flesh. He is the living representation of the Word of God, the embodiment of the Word, the expressed nature and character of the Father. And he's standing in front of them. And they're using words that were created by him to tell him he's not who he says he is. I mean, at some point, Jesus probably had to laugh if it wasn't so sad. That's why he said to them, You blind gods, you both end up in a ditch. Why? He's saying you guys don't have revelation. You're trying to lead people with no revelation. Holy Ghost. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13. Yeah, right. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed, and some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprung up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out, and others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you that we not only have your word, we have you. We have your spirit, that we can expect that he will lead us and guide us into all truth, that he will take the things the Father has made known to you and make them known unto us, just as you promised so I ask that as, as we speak, as we've already spoke today and as we continue to speak today, Father, that you would open our ears to hear you, our hearts to receive you, our minds to be able to understand that our lives would be good soil, God, that, that, that we would be the good soil we just read about, that would produce a, a, a crop, a harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus is talking uh, uh, about the... the, the the kingdom of God, and he gives a parable, and sometimes I think that there's this danger, and I, and I, I preached on this before, um, but a little differently, but I, I sometimes think that there's this danger that, like, when we when we hear a parable like this, it's, a, it's like a zero-sum thing. It's an all-or-nothing thing, and so because we're born again, because we've given our life to Jesus, we think that, you know, well, I'm the good soil, and so as we're reading through this, we're thinking, man, it would really stink to be the path, or wow, that would really stink to be the rocky place, or holy smokes, I'm glad I don't have the thorns and the vines, because I'm obviously the good soil because I have given my life to Jesus, I'm born again, and so obviously I'm the good soil that he's talking about. But the truth of the matter is, is that while there, there is a, an element of that, that that's true, that, that there is a salvation message of giving your life to Jesus and being born again a new creation, when Jesus is explaining the parable in, in, in Luke's version, he says that the 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 enemy came, the birds of the air came, and they stole the seed that they wouldn't believe and be saved. And that word they're saved is sozo, which everyone knows I means saved, healed, delivered, made well, put at ease. There's a bunch of different things. So it's not simply just talking about actually giving your life to Jesus, a one time event, and now this parable means nothing for your life because you are the good soil because you gave your life to Jesus. Because the truth of the matter is is that we could have some of each of this soil going on in our heart if we're not careful. And so I was praying into that a while ago, and I remember um, uh, when, I was, when I was thinking about this, and, and I was praying into it, and, and I felt like I, I, the Lord showed me um, just some stuff from this. So I just want to quickly, in five minutes or less, go through <laughs> a few things. Listen, the parking lot guys got on to me last week. They did. They scolded me. No, listen, I got to be submitted to them. They got a job to do. I have to follow the Lord, but man, I, the, we, the clock was broke, so I didn't know. and I was preaching and preaching, and I'm like, man, this is, I can't believe there's that much time left, or well, the clock was broke. and so yeah, they had a traffic jam out there, and and whatever. <laughs> no, I don't mean whatever, like <laughs> whatever. I'm saying, like, the Lord knows. So he says this, he says, the, the, the sower went out to sow, and some seeds fell beside the road, or, or in another place it says, on the path or the wayside, which, is, and I was thinking about that, and, and, and I felt like the Lord was showing me that, that oftentimes there's, a, there's, there's hard ground in our lives because there's a pathway there, because there's, there's, there's a way that many men have walked, it's worldly wisdom, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's tradition that was passed down, it's a well-worn path that's been made hard by the feet of many men walking it, and so... Um, you know, so yeah i mean i was thinking about just like worldly wisdom like worldly wisdom can create just a, it, it so many people have walked down that path the word says there's a road that that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death what's he saying sin like there's a well-worn path that you can find and it's full of worldly wisdom but it actually in the end leads to death you hear things like you know don't get your hopes up you know or 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 um, you know there's just all these different sayings that you'll hear people say and it sounds good and, and a lot of times it's like i'll forgive but i won't forget you know or or um i mean there's just there's just crazy stuff that, that you hear people say and, and and it's it's not actually from the word of god and it, and it can sound right like like you know you could say well once you break my trust it's gone when did the lord ever say that to you When did you go to the father when you messed up and him say, well, you know, come see me in six months when you've done better and we'll talk about this. No, when your heart is in a repentant place and he's dealt with it, like in that moment when he sees a broken, you know that there's a difference in saying something and your heart actually doing it and believing it. You remember the, the, the prodigal son? The prodigal son, I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to get to the other three. We'll talk about the other three soils next week. We will. I, I promise. I, well, I shouldn't say I promise. I think we will. <laughs> um, you, you remember the, the prodigal son? He's, he's gone off. He's spent everything. And it says that at one point in time, he's looking and he's feeding and he's wishing that he could eat the scraps that he's feeding to the pigs. And in that place, the father doesn't run to him. He leaves him be. Obviously, the father knows what's going on. He's probably hearing reports. Maybe he sees everything. Maybe this parable, he is the father. And he knows what's happening, but, but he allows him to be. And, and I, I would think, man, that would be the hardest thing in the world, to, to know that your son is living with with animals and and is starving to the point that he wishes he could eat the food that he's feeding to the animals. And man, if that's me, like, and I see Jackson in that place, like, I'm running to him. In the natural, if I'm not asking the Lord, but the Father doesn't come then. It's not until it says, and he said in his heart. It was better in my father's house. Don't even the servants there eat better than this. I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, make me as one of your hired hands. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And it's in that moment when he, in his heart, says something and takes a step towards the father, the father runs to him. Because the son could have said anything he wanted with his lips and still lived the way that he was living. It's when his heart actually turned he began to take a step towards the Father when there was actual repentance. It's one thing to say I'm sorry. It's another thing to actually in your heart have a change that brings forth repentance and bears fruit. I don't know why I got into this but maybe someone needs to hear that this morning that you know, you can you can say you're you're sorry, you can you can be full of regret. Or or you could even hate the the situation that has been created. But until you actually in your heart have a change. And and not just a change of that produces words. See, I think he could have stayed there in the pig pen saying all the things he was saying and still living with the pigs. He would have been left there until what happened in his heart actually changed to the point that he began to take steps towards the father's house. He actually turned from where he was and turned to where the father is. And that's when the father runs to him and overwhelms him and puts the robe and the ring and the slippers and brings him back and says, kill the fatted calf for the son of mine that was lost has now come home. And so in in talking about the path, the well-worn path, just make sure that we're not saying things that are creating this path of of thinking in our brains that actually isn't something that's causing any change in our hearts. Let's make sure that we don't just come and sing songs, creating a memory bank of words that we recite that create this well-worn path or, or even even having that time of worship be something that we do so often out of, out of habit that it becomes this well-worn path that we're just walking down this path and we're not actually coming aware of the fact that we're, we're standing before the King and pouring out our hearts in worship. Like, let's not just do things because that's what you do. That's, what, that's, that's the path. That's the road that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. There's no life at the end of that. Why? Because it's just walking the path of least resistance that's been traveled over and over for years and years. There's no purpose to it. There's no point to it. There's no intention to it. I just keep stepping and walking down the path because this is the path I've always walked down. And in good things, things that start pure can turn into routine and habit and lose their significance and their value. I'm not saying it's not good to have habits. Just make sure that we understand why we have them and that we put them in place out of a place of love and out of desire and out of wanting more of Him. So God, I just pray right now, Lord, that that even wake, listen, even waking up in the morning and preaching the gospel to yourself, don't let it become just a path. You stand there and look at yourself and actually mean what you're saying and listen to what you're saying so that it actually changes your heart so that it bears fruit. See, if you, when we read the rest of these things, you're going to see everything that he talked about. He talked about it withered and bore no fruit. The vine choked it, it bring, didn't bring fruit to maturity. The seed produced fruit. The whole point of the Word of God being sown into our hearts is not simply to have the Word of God sown into our hearts, it's for a purpose, it's to bear fruit. Not just to have a nice-looking tree, not just to shoot up quickly for a moment, but to bear fruit. Jesus said in this, my Father is pleased that you bear fruit, and fruit that remains. How does fruit remain? It actually becomes mature to the point where it carries the seed that's capable of reproducing itself. So Father, I just pray that that in our walk of following Jesus, God, that we wouldn't create paths out of ritual and habit, but we would follow the path of the shepherd. God, that we would do things over and over again, but every time with the same intention, with the same heart, with the same desire. God, that we wouldn't just go through the motions and just put one foot in front of the other like a robot, but that we would actually delightfully look to see your footsteps everywhere that we're walking on every path that we take. That the word would never land on a place where we've developed a way of thinking that keeps it from penetrating. But that our hearts would stay soft, God. That the the word would always be able to find a place in our heart that it could penetrate and begin to put down roots and begin to grow. So Father, I'm I'm asking right now in Jesus' name that we would wake up every morning and turn our awareness to you. That we would preach the gospel to ourselves. That we would remind ourselves of our worth that's found in you. That we would never go looking to find our value in anything because it's been securely established by the price you paid for us. In Jesus' name, amen.